Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to read and study your word tonight, Father. We ask that you open our minds, open our hearts uh, to see the beautiful treasures, Lord God, in Scripture. We ask, Lord God, that you give us the understanding and the application, Father, for our lives. So, Father, have your way tonight. I decrease so that you may increase and be glorified among your people, Lord. It is in your son's name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we are in the book of First Thessalonians. Amen. First Thessalonians. Now the first Thessalonians was written by, by Paul. Okay. Along with this letter to the Galatians, it was, it was his first letter to the Thessalonians, uh, uh, which is one of, one of his two oldest letters, right? It was first Thessalonians and Galatians. And so, you know, following the deliverance uh, from from uh, the Philippian prison, which we read in Acts chapter 16, Paul arrived in, in, in Thessalonica, right? And so there uh, he started a church and he appointed elders and he and he helped the ministry uh, grow and he, he helped the ministry take root. And 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 mind you, he, he did all of this within the span of three weeks. Right. I mean, that's powerful. You know, I mean, for Paul to be able to come in and just, you know, establish a church within three weeks time. Amen. And we read that in Acts chapter 17. Uh, he did this on his uh, second missionary journey. Now, Thessalonica was was a chief uh, seaport. It was uh, it was a uh, it was a mega city. It was um, the population was about at that time about 200,000 people right it was in it was it was in the roman empire and it was it was a strategic uh for what rome was 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 about in ruling the world okay uh you know it was it was strategic governmentally it was strategic uh politically it was uh, strategic uh, militarily so it became a, a transport spot for the gospel. Amen. One of the things that Paul did was that he was very strategic in, 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 in sharing the gospel. So he found places, you know, where, where the gospel would be able to be shared kind of like a hot spot. Okay. And so, and so Paul, he had established this church, but was writing to them because of his concern over uh, uh, the enemies, right? The enemies of the gospel that had, uh, infiltrated the church, right? And their, their, their false teaching and false, uh, influence. They, it was potentially doing damage to God's people, right? Through the church that Paul had established there. Paul wanted both to, he wanted both to encourage and to challenge them, right? At the same time, he wanted to challenge the, the, the moral, um, the moral laxity, right? Uh, that had infiltrated the, you know, the church, meaning that, you know, they weren't living the kind of moral lives or, or they were adapting the cultural, uh, standards, right? That, that, that needed to be addressed. And so he wanted to address also, um, a laziness, right? That had penetrated the church and he wanted to, to correct some doctrinal confusion, uh, related to the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? Particularly in light of believers who had died. Amen. Uh, people wanted to know what would happen, uh, to them, right? And, and, and what does the, what does the return of, of Christ look like in light of, of the reception, right? Of Jesus Christ. So he had to clarify a lot of things. Okay. And some of these believers, they were, they were suffering for their commitment, right? To the gospel. He, he needed to encourage 
than to keep on keeping on, if you if you will, right? In light of the imminent uh, return of Jesus Christ, right? Now, now, imminency is is simply that Christ could come at any time, okay? And he wanted to to note that if they were keeping their eyes right and live in light of the imminent return of Christ, of course, none of us know when that would be, right? It could be at any at any time but that that would encourage and affect their lifestyle, amen, for good, because because they would want to be pleasing to the Lord when he came, amen. So he shows how how uh, uh, prophecy, right, he shows how prophecy uh, relates to spiritual life, right, particularly when it comes to suffering. Paul had suffered himself on many occasions, and so he knew what it was to remain faithful to God, when when things were not going uh, uh his way right he wanted these believers to remain faithful to god right even though things were not going their way right because the king was coming he was reminding them jesus is coming amen so he wanted them uh, to have a kingdom type of mentality right about about the returning king right so that their daily living uh you know they they would they would live out the values of the kingdom so Paul right here, he, 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 he balances, right? He balances encouragement and challenge and correction all at the same time. Amen. Which, which is certainly what, what, what any Christian minister should do, right? Is to put these three together. Amen. So that God's people, um, feel encouraged. So that God's people are corrected. And, and then, and then God's people are challenged to keep, keep on keeping on, right? Even when it's not easy to do so. How many of us know that, you know, our walk isn't, isn't, isn't easy at times. At times it gets hard. And so Paul saw that the, that the, 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 um, the, the, the Thessalonian church, they were, they were going through hard times. So our knowledge, as Paul brings out in First Thessalonians of the return, right? Of the return of Jesus should, should have a, a, a profound effect on our Christian living. Amen. In other words, the more the more that we divorce Christ coming back f- from our day-to-day living, the more we are liable, okay? We are liable to be um, co-opted, right, by the false teachings of the society around us and those who oppose the truth of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen? But the closer, right, the, the closer that we get and the more intimate we are, Okay, with Jesus, with our Savior, who's who's coming, who's going to come back, the more we will be propelled, Amen, to a lifestyle that will honor Him, Amen, and to pursue uh, true doctrine. So this is why it's very critical to know the good news about the rapture, Amen, uh, because when Christ comes, we will meet those who have gone before us. Amen. That's what the Bible talks about. We will meet those who have gone before us if we're still alive at that time, and we will be rejoined to the Lord in a very intimate, right, in a very intimate community-wide gathering. Amen. In the heavens. Praise the Lord. So it's good news to know that our soon-coming Savior affects our life right now. Amen. So in this first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul remembers, he remembers the, the, the Thessalonians past in chapters one through three as he, as he recalls how, how he lived among them and shared with them in close communion. 
Amen. Then he refocuses uh, their present in, in the first part of chapter four. Okay. As he encourages them to, to love with brotherly affection. Then he reveals their future in the second half of chapter four. And in the first part of chapter five, he speaks to them about the rapture, right? And of the heavenly expectation. And then he moves in to refine their walk in the last part of chapter five through a series of practical um, uh, exhortations. Amen. And he reinforces his teaching uh, concerning the second coming uh, in, in second Thessalonians, but we're not going to get a, ahead of ourselves right now. Amen. So in these last days, as we study Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, may the Lord uh, refocus our vision, right? Of the bigger picture. Amen. The hope of heaven. Praise the Lord. So let's read the full chapter. We're going to read the full chapter, uh, which is a short chapter. It's only 10 verses. Okay. So we'll read the full chapter and then we'll come back to the top. And start breaking down uh, this chapter uh, verse by verse. Amen. So let's go ahead and start First Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you, for your sake. Verse 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to the all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Verse 9. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell you, they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's go back to the top. We're going to break this down. Amen. He says, Paul, okay, he says, Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. So he, so Paul begins right here, uh, his, 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 uh, second epistle, the same way that he begins his first, right? The Galatians. It's, and it's also a way that he would begin, uh, his, his subsequent epistles, right? To the, to the Corinthians, to the Ephesians, to, to the Philippians, uh, to the Colossians. If you remember, we just finished Colossians. He always links grace and peace together. Why? Because man cannot experience peace until he receives God's grace. Amen. Because true peace is the result. Uh, it's the result of what God has done 
rather than on what we must do. Amen. So that's when we receive peace, when we understand uh, the work that, that Jesus did at the cross. Amen. So let's continue. Verse two, it says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith. Someone say, your work produced by faith. That's powerful. Then he moves on and says, your labor prompted by love. That's number two. Say, labor prompted by love. And then three, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So immediately Paul begins to show us uh, what the Thessalonian uh, church was doing, right? They were, they were, they were characterized by, by work produced by faith, by, by labor that was, that was motivated by love. Amen. And endurance that was inspired uh, by uh, hope in Christ. Amen. So faith, he talks about faith, hope, and love, right? These, these, these are three Christian virtues that are the product of the gospel message. Amen. So when people, when people truly receive um, the grace and peace of Jesus, right? Faith, hope, and love start radiating out of them. That's, that's like, that's, that it starts oozing out. Amen. But let's, let's, let's uh, understand that these are not just, these are not just feelings. Okay. Faith, hope, and love are not just, are not just feelings. We have a working faith. Amen. It's a working faith. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a laboring love and it's an enduring hope. Okay, this right here is what will distinguish us um, um, in a in a in a cold, indifferent world. Amen. Uh, um, um, that 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 you know what what happens is is we 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 we're not we're not labeled right. We're not labeled as 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 Christians because we know so many Bible verses, right? Or because we can quote this or quote that or or because we can get uh, so emotional at times and do this and do that, right? We are we are Christians. We are known because we tangibly serve others, right? With our with our faith, with our hope and with and with our love. You know what I mean? And that right there, those those three things are a mark, I believe, are a mark of of a mature church. Amen. Because uh, because a mature church will possess these same three characteristics. I mean, first, a, ma- a mature church demonstrates the work of faith. Amen. They demonstrate the work of faith. I'm reminded back in in in, in John chapter six when when the disciples had asked Jesus, uh, Master, what what must we do to do the works of God? Right. And then Jesus answers them and he says, This is the work of God that you believe. On him whom the Father has sent. Ooh, that's awesome. So right here, he is saying that salvation is not by works, but, okay, but faith is an act of the heart. It's an act of the mind. Amen. So it, it, it's the only thing that allows Jesus to retain all his glory. Amen. So when the church, when the church uh, says we believe in Jesus Christ, we, and we marvel at what he did at the cross. Amen. That right there is the singular work of faith, right? Because we're trusting, we're believing in the work at the cross. Second, a mature church, okay, labors in love. Now that word labor, it's, it's, it's a wearying toil involving sweat and effort. And that, so that tells me that a saved people is a busy people. Amen. Saved people prove the reality 
of their salvation by their works. Amen. Let's look at James chapter 2, verse 18. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to go ahead and read it off. It says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. So, so, so we love the Lord, right? Because he first loved us, right? So therefore we serve him and we serve others too, right? Whether they are saved or lost. Amen. Because we love them too. And this is, this is only logical. This is only logical because Whenever, whenever a person begins to comprehend how much, how much, uh, you know, the, the Lord has done for him. When, when, when I comprehend how much the Lord has done for me, when you comprehend how much the Lord has done for you, right? We can't help but to love others. Amen. Because Jesus loved us first, right? So, and it's a, it's a type of love that's not, it's not burdensome. It's not a burdensome obligation, but it's a labor. Of love that says God's been good to me. He's been good to you. So much so that we can't help but to carry someone else. Amen. How many want to carry somebody else? Amen. Because after all, when we were at our lowest, Jesus carried us. Amen. Hallelujah. And I think the Apostle Paul right here. I think that the Apostle Paul was a living example of this. Paul knew the scriptures. Paul was zealous for the law. Right. But he didn't know Christ. Right? He didn't know Christ. And when Christ revealed himself to him, oh my goodness, his transformation was radical. Paul went from persecuting to loving and serving all people that he came in contact with. Amen? That's the radical change that Jesus does in our lives. Amen? Third, a mature church patiently hopes for the return of the Lord. Amen? We hope for the return of the Lord. I'm reminded back back in, in, in John chapter 13, the night before Jesus uh, uh, was crucified, after, after telling his disciples that he would be betrayed, Jesus arose from supper, he girded himself, right? He girded himself with a towel and he began to wash their feet. Why? You see, scripture also says that because he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. You see, when Jesus was, was, was entering into his darkest hour, he didn't have to worry about anything. He right away got to serving. Why? Because he knew that his hour was coming and he was getting ready to go back home. He was getting ready to go back, you know, to heaven and sit on his throne. Amen. So, so, so Jesus had that anticipation, that anticipation of going back to heaven. Amen. You see, having that anticipation of the Lord's return and knowing that we're going to heaven, right, is a key ingredient to maturity, right? Because heaven al alone allows us to see the big picture, amen? Only heaven puts everything in perspective because we know God sees all, right? And one day he's going to make everything right, amen? I mean, when I, when I read this, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of a story of a self-made millionaire by the name of Eugene Lang. Who, who greatly uh, changed the lives of, of about 59 students in East Harlem. And he was asked to speak to the sixth grade class at a school 
with with a high dropout rate. And so he wondered what he could say to inspire these students. He wondered what he could say, you know, to these kids to make them stay in school. And so he pondered and he wondered how he could get them to even look at him. So what he did was he ended up scrapping his notes. He grabbed his notes and he, he tossed them. And he decided to speak to them from his heart. Amen. And he said, what he told them was, stay in school and I will pay your tuition for every one of you. You know, for the first time, those kids, those children had hope. One student said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. I mean, it was a golden feeling. And nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. But you see, that promise put everything in perspective. And we have been given a promise by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? That he would one day return for us. Amen? The Gospel of John chapter 14 verses 1 through through, uh, 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to, to, that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Amen. So that's the promise. We, we have a promise of a blessed hope that one day Jesus is coming back for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's go. Verse four. Verse 4 says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Now, now the Apostle Paul was assured, he was assured that these, that these Thessalonian saints, right, had been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. But how did he know that? I mean, did he have some type of supernatural insight? No. He knew that they were among the elect by the way that they had received the gospel. You see, the doctrine of election teaches that God, okay, it teaches that God chose certain people in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, we see that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, which says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. You see, it teaches, right, it teaches that God chose a certain people before the foundations of the world. But what it does not teach, it does not teach that he chose some to be damned. Because there are many people that assume that if God chose a certain people to be saved, then he had to have chosen the other group to be damned. And that's not true. Because if men are finally lost, if women are finally lost, it's because of their own sin and and unbelief. Amen. Because you see the same Bible that teaches that teaches election also teaches human responsibility or man's free choice. Amen. So God, what he does is that he gives us a, a, a bona fide offer of salvation to all people everywhere. Whoever comes to Christ will find a warm welcome. Amen. John 3.16 tells us that. It says, for God so loved the world. Someone say the world. For God so loved the world. He didn't say for God so loved a certain people. He didn't say for God so loved a certain group. He said for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, someone say whoever believes, whoever believes, not a certain group, whoever believes in him shall not perish 
but have eternal life. Amen. Let's go. Let's, let, let me give you another verse. Second Peter three nine. Okay. It says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone, anyone to perish, but everyone. Someone say everyone, but everyone to come to repentance. So you see, God wants everyone to repent. He doesn't want no one to get lost, right? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to repent. And so Paul right here is able to see that. He's able to see that that the Thessalonians were chosen based on the response of the gospel. Amen? They received the message, right, of salvation that Paul had brought them. Amen? Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen? That's powerful. So, so these two doctrines, right? You have two doctrines here. You got the, the, the doctrine of election and you got the doctrine of freedom of choice. Okay. Now these two doctrines, they create what we might call an, an, um, irreconcilable conflict, right? Within the human mind. You know what I mean? But the Bible, we see here that the Bible teaches both. So we have to believe both, right? Even if we can't harmonize them. Okay. I mean, face it, we, we don't know who the elect are, right? So our responsibility, right, as, as, as children of God, our responsibility as Christians, our responsibilities as ambassadors of heaven, right, is to share the gospel to the world. Amen? That's what Jesus told us. Make disciples of all nations. That's all people, right? Share the gospel. Carry the gospel throughout the whole world. Amen? And so this right here also... For those that are unsaved should not use this as an excuse for not believing. Amen. They should not use this as an excuse for not believing. Why? Because we just covered it. It explicitly says that if they will repent and they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God will save them. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for his saving grace. Praise God. Okay, let's go. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. So even though the gospel uh, reached you and it reached me because of God's choice, right? It also came through people, okay? In other words, God used people to bring the gospel to us, right? So someone had to have had the courage to 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 have that uncomfortable talk with you, to have that uncomfortable talk uh, with me, right? That awkward conversation, Right? Because sometimes it does become awkward trying to share the gospel. Amen? Some of us walk around with fear, you know, of, uh, uh, afraid of what people might think, afraid of what uh, people are going to say, afraid of us, of us being rejected, right? So it does become awkward. But thank God that those that shared the gospel with us, right, they, they, they took that time, right? They took that time to share the, the gospel to us. Amen? Praise the Lord. But Paul right here, he says here that the gospel, right, it didn't come in, 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 in word only. No, but it came in power, right? In the Holy Spirit with full assurance. Amen. And, and, and I'm reminded, I'm reminded of the promise that, 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 that Jesus, that Jesus gave, right? Uh, uh, to his disciples in Acts chapter one, verse eight, right? When he says, you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Ghost, right, comes upon you to be my witnesses. So the power to believe in Jesus, the power to love others, the power to, to patiently hope for the Lord's return, as, as we see here in the Thessalonian church, it was evidence, right, of their being chosen by God. Amen. But let's not miss the statement where Paul says, you know how we lived among you. In other words, his life was an open book. You see, just like our words tell people the good news about Jesus, our lives need to show them. They need to show them the good news. Amen. I mean, have you, have you ever watched a, a, a movie? Like, like, have you ever gone to a movie theater, you know, and you're watching a movie and the picture goes blank? The screen goes black, right? And all you hear is the audio. I mean, if you think about it, the audio alone, it proves insufficient, doesn't it? I mean, because you need both uh, the picture and the sound, right? To grasp the full scope of the film. Amen. So the world needs, not only needs to hear the gospel from our mouths, they need to see the gospel in our lives. Amen. We got to live it out. Amen. What does the Bible say? Be doers. Amen. We got to live it out. Praise God. Let's go. Verse 6. It says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you believe that the gospel can transform you, if you believe that the gospel has transformed you, then you have to believe that it can transform others as well. Amen. And that's what was happening here in Thessalonica. Because as Paul says that the Thessalonians became imitators of us, right? And of the Lord, right? But, you know, let's, 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 you know, make a big note about this is that, you know, even though they became imitators, right? Of Paul and of the Lord, right? They, this gospel, right? It, it's, it's not a problem free gospel. This gospel wasn't an easy gospel. It wasn't a, a fairy tale gospel, right? It wasn't a type of gospel in which believers can just name and claim whatever they want, right? And Jesus gives them miracle after miracle. No. Listen, this gospel at times may be accompanied by severe persecution. Listen, we see this going on all the time. I read stories every single day about about Christians, about the church being persecuted in many other countries. Amen. So this isn't this isn't, you know, a fairy tale type of gospel. This gospel is real. This gospel comes accompanied by severe persecution at times. And if you're a child of God, right? If I'm a child of God, then we are going to experience tribulation, church, right? We're going to experience it. We're going to go through it, right? We're going to be we're going to be resisted and we're going to be rejected at times. Amen. But Paul says that nevertheless, nevertheless, even in tribulation, we have joy, right, from the Holy Spirit in spite of rejection, in spite of difficulties, in spite of hard times. We have internal stability. Amen. That the external troubles, they can't touch. Amen. Because we have the spirit of God in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to verse seven. It says, and so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, 
your faith in God has become well known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Well, I like I like how it says that the Thessalonians became a model. Amen. When I when I read this, I'm reminded way back uh, a few years back. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was a was a was a, a, a superstar basketball player that used to play for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, right now, he's a sports commentator. But back then, when he played for the Phoenix Suns, he said one time in a television ad, he says, I am not a role model. But like it or not, he is. Everybody is a role model for somebody else. Amen. As we grow up, all of us, we have many role models. We have people that inspire us. Our parents inspire us. Teachers inspire us, right? Um, athletes inspire us. Coaches, uh, political leaders. Uh, uh, if you're reading a novel, characters in a novel, or even, even if you're reading the pages of history, you find a role model. Amen? And so the Bible here also gives us many role models, right? The Apostle Paul, for one, is a challenging example of discipleship. Amen? In fact, he himself, right? He himself, he held himself up as a pattern for all Christians to follow. Remember back in, 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 uh, what is it? First, first Corinthians, uh, chapter 11, when he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. I mean, he knew, of course, that, the, that he could only serve as a godly example only if he faithfully followed his Lord. Amen. And so Paul, he commended the, the Thessalonians because they, they, they followed him. And they followed the Lord, right? They, they became examples to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia, right? So in other words, they were well known for their faith in God. You know what I mean? They had that type of reputation. How many of us have a reputation for our faith in God? How many of us have a reputation of being on fire for God, right? Are we on fire for God or are we dormant, right? Are we sitting at home? Are we hiding our faith? Amen. Because right here, it shows that the Thessalonian church, man, they were contagious, right? It says that the Thessalonians became model Christians, right? First of all, their example of joy in the midst of persecution, that right there was an example to believers in Macedonia and Achaia, meaning that, I mean, it was an example all over, all over Greece. Wow, that's, that's powerful, right? That's a powerful testimony. But you know what? It didn't even stop there. It says here that they became reproducing Christians. In other words, they were like uh, um, uh, ripples in a, in a pool, right? Right? You know how when you drop something in a pool and you see the, the ripple rings just keep going further and further and wider and wider? That, that That's what it's talking about right here. They were like ripples in a pool, right? That the word of the Lord spread out in ever-widening circles, right? First in Macedonia, then in, in, in Achaia. And then in every other place, amen? Soon the, the news of their faith toward God, it became so widespread that Paul didn't even have to speak about it. The people already knew. That's powerful, amen? So as we, as we, as we, as we take the example, as we copy Paul, right? Who himself, uh, was copying the Savior, we in turn, us, we in turn, we become models. We become models who are also being copied. Amen. So you and I, we became an example just like the Thessalonians were an example. Amen. So my question is, what is the quality 
of our spiritual influence? Is it negative or is it positive? Just think about that for a minute. If we're, if we are role models, what are, what are we teaching? What are we showing? What are people seeing from us? Is it negative or is it positive? Amen. Ask yourself these questions also. Can, can people see Jesus in you? Can people see Jesus in me? Right? Are we, are we flossing Jesus? In other words, are we showing him off? Are we showing off Jesus? Are we making, uh, uh Jesus look good? I mean, think about it. You know, if, if you want to, if you're in the clothing business and you want to show off a new clothing line, what do you do? You put, you put the samples of your clothing on a beautiful model, right? The model's role is to make your clothing line look good, is to make your clothes look good. And so similarly here with the Thessalonians, they wore what we might consider kingdom clothes. Amen. They wore godly attitudes. They wore godly actions and they wore it well. Amen. When they reacted to tragedy, they made Jesus look good. When they, when the, the, the language that they used made Jesus look good. The way that they conducted themselves at home made Jesus look good. My question is, are we wearing kingdom clothes, church? Are we making Jesus look good? Hmm. Because see, these people right here, by their witness, were an encouragement to the saints. They were an encouragement to them. And they were evangelists to the sinners. Amen. They had that type of lifestyle, man. It was a healthy balance. Their message, right? Their message was the word of the Lord. The gospel was the heart of their message. They didn't promote themselves. They didn't promote self. They weren't out, they weren't out there all the time, man, self doing selfies. No, they weren't promoting self. They, they weren't even promoting their church. They promoted Jesus. Their thing was to bring Jesus to the forefront. Amen. How many of us can say that we have Jesus as our forefront? Amen. Or is it us? Are we the ones trying to walk Jesus everywhere? Oh, come on, somebody. You see, their method was that they, was that they sounded out. Amen. They sounded out. I like, I like, I like how it says that it rang out. Excuse me. Their method was that they sounded out. And that they spread abroad. In other words, they opened their mouths, church, right? They opened their mouths and they shared the gospel. And as they did, right, as they lived out their faith, others talked about them. Hmm. In other words, they were contagious for the kingdom of God, right? They were contagious with, with, with great boldness, church. Their ministry was so effective that everywhere Paul went, he found that their message had preceded him. Right. In other words, everywhere Paul went was saturated with the gospel. It was saturated with with uh, with 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 them knowing their, their their reputation. Right. For being sold out Christians. Wow. That that that's a powerful testimony. That right there is is what is what we at the mission should be the same about. Also, we should be about that too. Amen. We should we should saturate our communities. We should saturate our cities. We should saturate our, 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 our world around us, right? With the message of salvation. Amen. This ain't no time to play church. This is all about sharing Christ. How many of us believe that Jesus is coming soon? I believe Jesus is coming soon. And the Thessalonians believed that Jesus was coming soon. That's why they were so all about, all about sharing Jesus. That's why they had the reputation of sharing Christ everywhere they went. Amen. 
because they had that blessed hope. How many of us are living in that blessed hope that one day Jesus is coming back? How many of us can say that? How many of us can have that drive to, to go out there and to share Jesus to a lost and dying world, to share Jesus to our neighbors? Jesus is coming soon. we got to live with the blessed hope in mind, knowing that one day he's coming back. And what are we doing in the meantime? What are we doing, church? Let's share Jesus. Amen. Verse 9. It says, For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn from God. I mean, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. This is awesome. Paul, Paul, Paul mentions that the, that the, that the Thessalonians turned to God from idols. Now we, in this day and age, right, we might think that this statement doesn't even apply to us, you know, but let me, let me, let me remind you that there are still idols today, church. There are. I mean, and, 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 and idol is any unauthorized person, uh, a place, a uh, thing, or even a thought, right? That you look to as a source or as your source. Amen. Uh, an idol is anyone or anything other than God that holds your confidence, that holds your trust, that holds your allegiance. And while many, uh, modern day American households lack uh, uh, idols of stone. Hey, many of us drive idols of steel. Amen. And though we don't have idols of wood, we stash idols of paper in our bank accounts. Amen. And if we don't have idols of gold, you know, some of us put our hope in, in, in particular people, right? In our lives. So everybody has a God. Everybody has a master. The question is, what or who is yours? What or who is mine? Amen? Because the alternative to, 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 to having idols, all right, to serving idols is to serve the living and true God. Amen, church? Let's not miss that word, serve. Because our footsteps, right, just as much as our mouths, right, show the world whether we believe in the God of the Bible, right? We have to walk that faith. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's go to verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Wow. So in addition to to uh, to turning and serving, uh, the Thessalonians, they were waiting. In other words, the Christian life doesn't end at death, church. All believers... All believers should be waiting for God's Son from heaven. All of us should be living with that blessed hope in mind, in our heart. Amen? All believers should be looking forward to the second coming, right? When Jesus is going to come and take his followers, take us to be with them. Amen? Rescuing all of us from the from the terrors, from the coming judgment. Amen? This right here refers to, to a time when, when God's going to display his anger to a sinful world. He's going to destroy all evil. Amen. One thing is for sure is that God's wrath, it is a certainty for he will. He's not going to let sin continue unabated forever. He's not. But believers, us, right? We can trust that our Lord is going to save us. Amen. So we see here that Paul emphasizes uh, the second coming of Christ right throughout this book. But because the Thessalonian church was being persecuted, Paul encouraged them. 
right? To look forward to the deliverance, amen? The deliverance that, that Christ was going to bring, amen? So a believer's hope is in the return of Jesus, amen? The great God and Savior, praise God. So just as surely as Christ was raised from the dead, he ascended into heaven, the Bible says that he will return, that the imminent return of the Lord, right, is our hope. It's a Christian's hope. Amen. And it's found in many passages of the New Testament. And I'm going to share a few scriptures with you. Luke chapter 12, verse 36 says, And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. Romans 8, 23, waiting for the adaption, the redemption of your body. 1 Corinthians 11, 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 2 Corinthians 5, 2, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Galatians 5, 5 says, For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Philippians 3.20 says, we also eagerly wait for those, uh, I'm sorry, we, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.5 says, the Lord is at hand. Titus 2.13 says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.26, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. James chapter 5 verses 7 through 9 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The judge is standing at the door. 1 Peter 4 7, but the end of all things is at hand. 1 John 3 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Jude 21, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Revelation 3 11, I am coming quickly. Revelation 22, 7, behold, I am coming quickly. Same chapter, 22, 12, and behold, I am coming quickly. Same chapter again, verse 20, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. Are you encouraged, church? Are you encouraged that the Lord has given us so many warnings, right? He's given us so many warnings that he's coming soon. Amen. That's awesome. And we're going to see this theme, okay? We're going to see this theme come up again throughout the book. But it, I, I think it's significant to note that, uh, that already in this first chapter, Paul brings up the second coming of Christ. Amen? So we wait, we wait for Jesus, right, from heaven, right? A child of God, a community of God becomes an expectant community, church. Are you expecting? I know I am. I'm expecting for God to show up and for Jesus to show up at any time, right? If we are truly waiting for him, then we have to truly be about his work, right? We have to, right? Like the Thessalonians who were responsible, right? They were responsible and they were ready. In other words, they took the truth to the lost and they lived the truth among the saved. Amen. They were, they were, they were a people of readiness who knew that, that Christ you know, could come at any moment to rescue them, right, from the judgment. Amen. And that that's balance, right? To live as though to live as though God can show up, Jesus could show up, you know, right before lunchtime, right? But also live in such a way where we behave in ways that acknowledge that that He could delay His return, right? Until long after we lived. You see, the church in Thessalonica, you know, was not they they, they may not have been 
a church who had money. They may not have a church who had a large congregation. They may not have been a church who had like famous leaders, you know, but what, what they did have is what counted. They had strong faith. Amen. They had an active love and they had an abiding hope. These three things, faith, love, and hope. Amen. That's all we need. That's the right stuff, church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for tonight's Bible study, Father. We thank you for reminding us of the faith, of the love, of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We thank you for the promise of the return of Jesus one day, Father. And we ask that as we await the return of our blessed hope, Lord, that we would be a kingdom-minded, Lord, that we would be about kingdom business in our daily walk, Lord. We pray for boldness, Heavenly Father, to share Jesus and grace to live Jesus, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that that everything that we do, Lord God, be to glorify your name because you alone are worthy of it. We pray, Father, forgive us, Lord, when we fall short, Lord. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, Father, and let all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Well, church, God bless you. I hope that this message was encouraging to you as it was to me. I pray that God, uh, God's blessing would cover you and go with you and be with you. Have a good night rest. And remember, Friday, Friday, we got VBS. Bring the kids out. Friday VBS. And if you haven't, uh, uh, registered for our leadership summit, go ahead and click the, click the link, uh, in the description and go ahead and register. It's going to be an awesome time. Okay, well, God bless you, church. Have a good night, and I will see you soon. God bless.